This is Delegate Julie Polakovich Carr, representing Rockville and Gaithersburg in Montgomery County. You're listening to the Conduit Street Podcast, the official podcast of the Maryland Association of Counties. Welcome to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale here with Dom Butchko. It's Wednesday, May 31st. Dom, how's it going? Last day of May. Can't believe it. Feels like just yesterday we were getting out of session. Yeah, I cannot believe how quick the days are going since the end of Sine Die. So wild. Dom, today we are going to get into electric vehicles, and you're the perfect person to, to join because you just did a great deep dive on the blog and we'll we'll make sure to post a link there but you get into a lot of issues in that blog dom and it's certainly a big point of conversation lately we know that transportation electrification has gained significant momentum in recent years policymakers certainly are playing a pivotal role in efforts to transform the transportation sector and in addition dom to cutting emissions evs can also be cheaper to maintain because electric motors typically require no maintenance unlike gasoline motors, but there are challenges, and I think you hit on this in your piece, Dom, including affordability. You know, Can the average person afford an electric vehicle at this point? And then I think from the county government perspective, and certainly from state government perspectives across the country, state and local governments rely on fuel tax revenue to fund road preservation and improvement projects, but we know that fuel tax revenue has been dropping in recent years because drivers are you know, getting more fuel-efficient vehicles, and then, of course, the the growth of electric and hybrid vehicles are accelerating that trend. Um, so other challenges here on infrastructure, electric capacity, charging stations, the list goes on and on. So, Dom, let's get into EVs. Let's talk about, you know, the push for EVs, why it's so important and kind of where we are, you know, and where Maryland is in, in reaching our EV goals so that we can reach our overall climate goals. So yeah, EVs are going to be a major part of the transition for electrification and in fighting climate change. And the conversation around EVs is incredibly broad and vast. Talking with some of our stakeholders, with the counties, with the people on the ground implementing this, we've identified two areas that are the subject of our deep dive that are really seen as a barrier to EV adoption. And so those two areas are first affordability, and then the second area is infrastructure. Um, first, around affordability, we're not really seeing the amount of production that we should. And I, I note this in the, the deep dive. We see a lot of companies starting to transition from more affordable models. Take the Chevy Bolt, for example, average price point around thirty dollars to $40,000. Uh, they're putting those models out of production and they're shifting to, first of all, heavier vehicles such as trucks and SUVs, but also uh, more expensive luxury vehicles as well. So we're seeing the Rivians, we're seeing the Lucids. We're seeing the BMWs, but we're seeing less of the affordable Fords and Chevys and Volkswagens, et cetera. The mm -hmm. average cost of an EV right now, around $60,000 in February of this year. Um, average cost of the Chevy Bolt, which was, like I said before, taken out of production, thirty to 40000 So affordability is really an issue there. It, you're right. I mean, I think a lot of people do view EVs as a major component to, to fighting you know, this changing climate and to reducing emissions. but Again, if, if people can't afford them, that's a whole nother issue, right? So I know that Maryland has several incentives to try and get people to, to, to transition to EVs, 
but you know, funding is limited. And, you know, I, I know there's a big push. I know that there are efforts underway to try to incentivize, but certainly I agree with you. There needs to be a push within the automotive industry to develop and manufacture more of these affordable EVs. And certainly it's it's not a good looking trend. The Chevy Volt was discontinued and you're right. There seemed to be a lot more high-end luxury EVs hitting the market. So that's something that, you know, we can't control in county land, but certainly I think policy-wise there needs to be a focus on how to incentivize these manufacturers to develop those kind of vehicles. And I think you bring up a really good point there. I mean, we we look at certain points in history that were major events, you know, take World War II, for example. In that instance, like the nation came together and the amount of armaments and everything we were able to produce was insane. I mean, something like 300,000 aircraft, 2 million trucks, like et cetera, et cetera. Climate change is really the greatest challenge of our time. You know, you had the greatest generation in World War II. You have the climate generation here. And and counties can't do that alone. And that production question that where are these affordable or where are these affordable electric vehicles going to come from? I mean, that's a major one that we need to answer because, you know, $60,000 for a new car, that's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And so cost, affordability is certainly a problem. And then we know, Dom, that there are a lot of questions that that surround infrastructure. So let's first get into questions about the evolution of better batteries and charging systems for these EVs and so that they can get more per charge, because we know that charging stations, there, there are questions about where they are and how many people have access to them. And then there are questions about whether we should be building new homes with charging stations already equipped. But then there are questions, too, about, well, how do you pay for the electricity, right? So let's jump into all of that. First of all, let's talk about batteries and charging. Where are we? Where is the technology now in terms of its advancement to make these things last longer? Yeah, so the infrastructure question is huge. And like you just said, charging is a big part of it. So first, I want to say something, you know, you wouldn't expect. I think the charging question, both the infrastructure and the batteries, is really on a good trajectory to being solved. And of all the things that should cause us heartburn, I don't think those are the two that are it. You know, right now, I think, uh, what was it, December 2022, Maryland ranked ninth nationally in EV charging stations per 100,000 residents. That was, what, six, seven months ago. We know that there's a lot more federal infrastructure money coming in, investment from both the public and private sector. I expect that number to go up. Um, We're also seeing that the average range of EVs is starting to increase as well. So the average range, you know, for an EV right now is 291 miles. Um, projections are showing that with current advancements in technology, we'll soon be at well over 300 miles per, you know, a full charge. For context, and I think this statistic is pretty interesting. So Ocean City, Maryland, one extreme of the state. Oakland, Maryland, the other extreme of the state. So that's Wooster County and Garrett County for the, for our friends in county land. That's 323 miles. So we're very close within the next few years. The average electric vehicle is going to be able to travel from one end of the state to the other. We already have some vehicles that can do that, but on average, you're not seeing that that mileage yet. The, there are other areas, though, in infrastructure. And Kevin, you alluded to this, that, you know, are pretty challenging. So one of them I want to talk about is the weight and the wear and tear. So Axios ran an article the other day that was interesting. Uh, EVs are a lot heavier than their, you know, internal combustion engine counterparts. So the 2023 uh, GMC Hummer EV full-size pickup weighs 9,000 pounds, sporting a 2,900 pound 
battery. In comparison, the GMC Sierra, same year, also a full-size pickup, not an electric vehicle, weighs less than 6,000 pounds. So you're talking over 3,000 pounds, three tons difference. That three tons, we're going to see that play out in a number of ways. You know, you talked about maintenance, but EVs are known as tire eaters to a lot of folks. And that's just because because of the added weight, they're blowing through them a lot more. That adds to the cost. Also, there's a big question of the actual infrastructure. So the, the roads, the bridges, the parking garages. I mean, there are some scenarios. We know Hillman just got torn down and Hillman's not the only garage that was in that state. There are certain scenarios where parking garages might have to limit the number of cars they come in minus full capacity. They're not going to be able to have cars at full capacity because the extra weight of EVs. I mean, I, I don't want to say that Parking garages are going to start collapsing, but it's something that we definitely need to worry about if we're not putting these calculations in for, you know, what are these vehicles that are becoming more popular and they're weighing significantly more? What does that mean for, you know, a lot of our roads, bridges? You know, what does that mean for pavement and asphalt that we're putting down? Are we going to have to put down an extra layer, et cetera? So there's a lot of questions around this weight issue that, you know, really aren't being asked a lot, at least in the, the dialogue that we're hearing. Yeah, well, the good news is with the Hillman Garage here in Annapolis, it's it's due to reopen on June 20th. I know that Mako will be happy about that as that garage is adjacent to the building. And, um, you know, we lost our, our parking spot. So that's good news. But, Don, when it comes to the issue of weight, I have to think, too, that there, there are going to be advancements in making these batteries weigh less and making them smaller so that they don't have that kind of impact. But we are not there right now, right? And so you're absolutely right. If you're adding all that weight onto the roads, it certainly has an effect on the wear and tear. And you're going to have a lot more, especially when you just add, you know, all the EVs that we want to have on the roads. If you if you put all those heavy vehicles on the roads, I think they're going to erode much faster than they have before. So that is an added component that engineers need to think about you know, when we are repairing and building roads. Um, but also, I think it's interesting, Don, when we get into the, the other issue here, which is how we fund our roads, right? And we do that through the gas tax. And if we have uh, this mass of electric vehicles, they're not going to be paying gas tax. So that becomes a whole separate issue, Dom. And that's one that I think we should get into too, because the General Assembly, there was a conversation this past session on the floor in the Senate about this very issue. And they are going to take a look at this closely and try and figure out if we make this massive shift to EVs, how are we going to fund our roads? And for counties, that's a big deal. We own and maintain the vast majority of roads in Maryland. So let's get into that and some of the options that potentially could be on the table as we make this transition so that we can continue to fund and maintain our roads. Yeah. So as longtime listeners will know, counties maintain five out of every six road miles in the great state of Maryland. That's a lot of pavement. That's a lot of roads. And a lot of the conversations we've been having up to this point go back to the 2008-2009 financial crisis and some of the cuts to highway user revenue that happened as a result of that financial crisis. To kind of add to the weight conversation we were having and to add another little, little issue we have to solve, we go back and forth about funding that you know happened over a decade ago, but with the new strain on our infrastructure, because our cars are, are going to weigh heavier, there's not a lot of conversation about, well, even if we do go back to that funding model, is that going to be enough? And what do we do when people aren't taking gas anymore? We don't have internal combustion engines. So a big question is, you know, how do we 
kind of recoup that revenue. We do have certain states that have certain fees added on if you have an electric vehicle, and those fees can range from $50 to $200 or, or above that. I think an interesting thing for Maryland, so Maryland Matters ran an article about the gas tax going up to 47 cents. And so I think they had a statistic in that article that the average Marylander is going to pay $366 annually in gas taxes. Right now, if you have an electric vehicle, you're not paying those taxes. I think a really interesting model would be, well, can we build that tax in up front so that when you register your vehicle and you renew your registration, you're paying that tax up front instead of, let's say, a similar tax on electricity used or you know, starting to track mileage, with, which I think a lot of people might have heartburn over. Right. So obviously special registration fees or some upfront fee is 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 certainly seems to be the way a lot of states are going and that may be something on the table here in Maryland but we know that those are not the only mechanisms uh, to lower gas tax revenue and promote equity among drivers uh, for instance in Oregon after they explored several options like a tire tax a battery tax expanding other user fees like gas taxes and registration fees they settled on a per mile charge as the fairest and most accurate way to pay for state roads and bridges. And this one's pretty controversial. Get into this and, and what this means and, and why this is so controversial. Yeah, so basically it would be uh, the Department of Transportation tracking the amount of miles that you've traveled. Now, what would that look like? Would you just put in your odometer or would you have a little device on your vehicle? Like I know if certain insurance companies, I, I wanna say it's progressive, you know, you have the little tracker you put in your car and you get a discount on your insurance. Uh, potentially adopting a similar model like that, and you would be, you know, price per mile, so a dollar nineteen or whatever per mile. I don't know if just looking at the politics of that. I mean, people walk around with their cell phones and they don't think about being tracked, but this is a very in-your-face way of being tracked. And I think politically, this has a lot more issues than you know what's the average someone pays in gas taxes, and we're just going to assess that at a fee then. So, I mean, a lot of options, a lot of decisions that, you know, conversations are being had in Washington and Annapolis. And I, I'm very interested to see how it plays out. We have to have these conversations. Yeah. And then another, I think another interesting policy issue, Dom, we know that four states, at least four states, Iowa, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, they are making efforts to recoup lost fuel tax revenue by taxing the electricity that's used at public charging stations. So, that's going to be controversial because I'm sure people will say, well, that just disincentivizes people to use EVs. And of course, a big drawback to that approach, I think, is that EV drivers mostly charge their vehicles at home, and so they wouldn't be paying that tax. But I think all the stuff is on the table, Dom, and I think it seems, certainly seems like the special registration fees up front are, are the way that most states are going to go. And like you said, you have an average, you know how much the average person spends each year uh, and, and, and contributes in fuel taxes. So you could just take that number, charge it up front. But I think, you know, as you mentioned, Dom, the weight issue is one that it weighs heavy on engineers' minds and overcoming that is going to be key to this as well. So I don't know, a lot of issues out there, but certainly affordability and effect on infrastructure are two of the biggest Dom. Yeah. And if I can just touch on something, I think you are kind of playing around the edges, but just to say it a little more directly, there, there's a debate going on that e although EVs are expensive, there's certain things about them that, you know, you mentioned before, a lesser upkeep costs, there's not a tax on electricity right now. So you're not seeing the same um, money you're going to have to put out for fuel, et cetera. There's a debate that, you know, owning an EV while the upfront cost is 
uh, somewhat more expensive. It's actually going to be cheaper in the long run. I think right now the data is bearing out that that's inconclusive. And that's going to be a conversation that we're going to have to continue to have. You know, How do we create funding models to maintain our infrastructure that are sustainable and that still make EVs attainable? You know, The United States is not switching immediately to trains and, every, and, and major buses. Cars are always going to be a big part of it. And EV adoption is a major strategy in how we combat climate change. And so, you know, how do we make these EV afford, EVs affordable and, you know, questions around that. So a lot of debates going on still. And again, it's it's a very lively and ongoing issue. All right. So certainly this is something that Maryland is going to take a look at in, in, in the months ahead. And as we get into next session, Dom, I expect there to be a big conversation about trying to get out ahead of this and make sure that we can maintain our roads, build our roads as that gas tax revenue diminishes. So a lot of questions still. You wrote a great piece, Tom. We'll link that in the show notes. Any closing thoughts from you before we wrap it up? Uh, I really want an EV. And for that, I need a raise, Kevin. So uh, that's my closing well, thought. Uh, let, let's, uh, you should keep pushing for more affordable EVs, Tom. Let, let's, let's, let's do that instead. How about that? Deal. All right. All right. We'll leave it there for today. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. That way, all of these episodes will be sent directly to the device of your choice. You can also follow along on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and then, of course, you should read the Conduit Street blog. But for Dominic Butchko, this is Kevin Canale signing off, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.